3: 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
2: Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.
4: The numbers told the story,
5: they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on Visa. He's one of those idiots who believe in analytics.
3: Good yeah. Tuesday morning, too. is a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network, Visa.com, the Visa app, Fubo, Slink, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, YouTube, TV. Hey, it's all brought to you by BetMGM Nevada. Glad you could hang out with us. And by us, I mean not only me, Gil Alexander, but Jeff Parlay, producer number five and eight as well, the Grover Cleveland of producers, who has uh, charmed on one of the TV screens for me. Like, I like it here in the morning. Peak Alyssa Milano, first thing in the morning. Can't, you can't get enough out of the Charmed reruns.
1: That's uh, what that's uh, whatever's playing on uh, TNT. Because <laughs> I'm what, assuming you were watching whatever basketball game last night on primetime action. That's exactly what and we are
3: doing. Go. That's exactly what we are doing. And the tennis is on. This is not Tennis Channel. That's why we have tennis this morning, right? Oh, interesting. Interesting. Oh, what a morning. Uh, we have on the show today Mark Borchard to talk baseball with us. The shenanigans that is Major League Baseball in this young season, which uh, I'll let you know what I've been reduced to, to betting. Uh, such a different endeavor now than it used to be. We also have Paul Carr, Champions League second leg, coming up today. Uh, Paul did not get the win yesterday on a Monday. Monday's his kryptonite. But Paul's back for Champions League play today. We'll get to him as well as Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. We never had a chance to sort of catch up with him after the draft, find out his reactions, not only how his bets did, but his reactions to... Sort of informing your bets moving forward post-draft now in the National Football League. What he's looking at, we'll get into that with him. But first, a special Tuesday with Will Hill. Not the Will Hill uh, on Twitter. Our own Will Hill, the host of the New York City cast, wherever podcasts are distributed. How you doing, Will? Good morning to you, man.
6: Gil, you know it's playoff season. When you wake up, you turn on the TV and Charmed is still on from <laughs> TNT, which That's ends right. at 1 in the morning from the night before. For some reason, they start, you know, Suns Mavericks at 10-15 on a Monday night, but... Good time of the year. What's going on?
3: Good time. Oh, man, good to see you. First first of all, how'd your draft go betting wise? Was it a success?
6: Uh yeah, we can get to the NBA games or some MLB. <laughs> we can pretty much do just about anything else. Anything uh,
3: else? Okay. Did fade the quarterbacks, which worked out okay, but other than that, uh So yeah, you're you're it. you're the guy that didn't have a good draft. You're the guy. I knew there. I knew get, we could find one eventually. Exactly. That's
6: and I log on to Twitter the next day, books all complaining. We got killed, everybody won. Not everybody won, but wasn't it wasn't as bad as I'm making it out to be, but usually like you say it's the greatest betting vehicle of the year if you don't you know just hit it out of the park you feel like you left some meat on the bone. definitely yeah. a weird draft a
3: weird year yeah it was it was different for sure it was different it was it was not like uh, whitewashes of previous years but if you if you waited the right thing it was it was a great thing I just it'll be curious to see what happens moving forward here in the state of Nevada again I think it'll be less and less. I think we may have to like drive across borders to bet it. I'm, I'm being completely serious starting next year. Uh, what about the NBA? Let's start there with what happened yesterday, which, you know, there's not uh, talk about meat on the bone. Not a lot of meat on the bone after the two game ones yesterday. Let's start with the with the Sixers and the heat, which is uh, in your wheelhouse for sure. Sixers played with the heat. No Joel Embiid, no Kyle Lowry for the heat, by the way. Sixers played with them for about two and a half quarters. Uh, actually, by the way, if you had the money line on the heat in the first half, oh, God, was that a bad one? Uh, with a, I think it was a 19 to 7 run for the Sixers at the end of the second quarter to uh, clip the Heat 51 50 at the half. But the Heat uh, asserted themselves. We won't have Joel Embiid for Game Two at a minimum. Uh, how do you feel about this? Just sort of like, hey, they did what they were supposed to, and and this will be a long series. Or do you feel like the Harden performance was a portent of much worse, much worse things to come for the Sixers? And if you're Maury and you're
6: giving that guy five years and writing a blank check, I just I don't see it. I don't know how you'd do it. He to me looks totally washed. I mean, he is just resorting to just, you know, baiting the refs into fouls. Uh, it's really, it, it's sad to watch. He looks awful. And you know, like you said, the Sixers had their chance. They're up 55 to 50. You're thinking maybe for a second, they can steal this one. I do not for the life of me. Now, maybe they wouldn't have won any anyway. I do not for the life of me understand the Deandre Jordan fascination. I think he was minus 22, something crazy like that. Minus 17 and doc after the game, I mean, stubborn as usual saying, well, we like him. You too bad. You guys don't. Cause we're going to keep starting them. Uh, I, I would imagine. Imagine Miami gets game two. Look, if you can get Embiid back for game three, that's a good home court Philly has, you know, because you win both of those in Philly if you're Philly. It's not impossible. So uh, it's just, it's too bad because I really think if Embiid were playing, this would be a hell of a series. I might actually pick, I probably would have picked the six just because I think, you know, their starting five is probably better than the Heat starting five. The Heat really struggle to score at times. You know, we're seeing them tinker with lineups where they can't play Robinson and Hero at the same time. So, Uh, We'll have to wait and see. I would imagine the Heat get Game Two, and then you know what kind of version of of Embiid we get Game
3: Three will decide the series. Yeah, and at that point, the Sixers fans will be able to Sixers better say, "Well, you know, I mean, series hasn't started until you win on the opposing court, so you know, just holding serve at that point." So we'll see. You're you're right. Uh, I did grab the Heat. We we were on primetime action as the Joel Embiid news came down Friday night, so we all made. Like quick heat series bets at like minus 190 right before it was pulled, right before it came back at minus 350. I wouldn't have had a bet on this series otherwise, but slipped in. Sometimes the timing works out on that. Um, and then the other one last night, Phoenix. Just felt like the Phoenix from the regular season, didn't they? Just coast to coast win. The spread came down uh, to a question at the end, but you know the NBA, it's plinko. But the, but the result of the game was never in doubt, win or lose. Suns win it by seven. They do cover. Uh, so both favorites get the uh, get the number last night. Um, I mean, listen. Before the playoffs, we were you know it was very in vogue to say, listen, Luca and the Mavs. That's the team that could really give the Suns trouble. Uh, you know, it's one game, let's not overreact, but do you see that being a possibility?
6: Um, I picked it suns in six. Uh, maybe I was a little long on that. I think we could be looking at five. I think it's either five or six. I don't think it'll be a sweep. I don't think it'll go seven. Uh, I just think, you know, m- maybe the Pelicans threw everyone off the scent by giving the suns a run for their money. Uh, yeah, I think people forget how damn good the suns are, how deep they are. That's a really good home court look, Lucas scored 45 points and you still didn't really come close to winning this game. And uh, I just think the history of having one ball, one, you know, dominant player, uh, one high usage player, doesn't tend to work out in the playoffs. You know, you need a team to win in the playoffs. Um, you know, I don't have the stats in front of me, but some of these high usage guys you know, look, it, it's, it's different in the playoffs. The scouting reports are different. It's usually not a recipe, a formula for success. So I would imagine the sun's March on. I think we're looking at a sun's warriors, Western conference, Final. And boy, give me six or seven of those. That will be a hell of a conference final.
3: That wish sure will be Phoenix shot 50.5% from the field last night, won the rebounding edge 51 to 36, beat the mass for the 10th straight time wow. ownage. Uh, that counts regular season games, of course. And as you said, Luca with forty five, twelve, and eight, and it was basically, it was you know, essentially, it was Luca, uh, it was Kleber, and then it was no one. Uh, you know, I might be doing Finney Smith and and Brunson a little bit, you know, of a of, uh, of a knock there, but really, that's what it was. Doncic and Kleber kept kept in the first half of that game, just the two of those guys, and it was Kate. didn't score at all. No, yeah, yeah. So tonight, game twos and i don't want to listen i won't say that about the games we just talked about in the game 2s those aren't must win situations but tonight both of these feel awfully must winny and what i'm responding what i'm referring to of course is celtics down one nothing already to the bucks on their home court we have the very vague report about marcus smart expected to be listed as questionable i love that line expected mm. to be listed as questionable Obviously, with the uh, right thigh contusion, he got beat. He got hit there twice in a row in Game One. Celtics are favored by four and a half. But as we talked about here, you know, much with the other game in Game One, the the Bucks didn't. You know, they they could have been had seven turnovers in the first quarter. They still managed to lead at the end of the first frame. And then Giannis got in a bit of foul trouble. Celtics couldn't dig into the lead. Kind of must winish for the Celtics. Like if they lose this, it's kind of over, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, I don't.
6: I don't play too many of these systems, but one system I do like one trend. I do like when the road team steals game one, I like the fade game two. I just think there's a level of satisfaction that sets in by the team that won game one level of desperation for the team. That's down 0 one. Uh, I think we only saw it once in the first round, but Memphis, Minnesota, I mean, Minnesota wins game one in Memphis. They lose by a zillion in game two. Uh, look, like you said, Boston has to have it. I think they'll get it. I laid the money line with Boston. I also took uh, the bucks team total under. I did it Sunday too. I just think Boston is uniquely qualified to deal with Giannis. I mean, Horford has always done a really good job defending him. They got a lot of big athletes with long arms that you can throw at Giannis, where not a lot of other teams do, you know, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, even Tatum. Uh, And I think their strategy is going to be pretty simple. It's going to be pack the paint wall off the rim and make Milwaukee shoot contested threes. And if you hit them, you know, God bless you. But uh, I don't know that Milwaukee look, they can be hot and cold shooting the three. So I like Boston here. I think they, uh, they get this one. And I do think this is headed for in
3: probably six or seven games. I think this is a long series. Yeah, I still think we'll see a long series here. I mean, if you don't buy into this being a must-win, it's, <clears throat> it's definitely yeah. must-win for the Grizzlies tonight. Uh, Warriors already stealing the home court advantage. And that one really, I mean, look, bad game from Clay. Draymond ejected in the second. Jaron uh, Jackson Jr. shooting the lights out. Uh, six of nine from three. A Warriors favored by one and a half. A play here at all?
6: I do like Memphis too. Same kind of thinking where, look, the Warriors got their game on the road. I I think I saw the stat. The Warriors have now won a record 26 straight series where they have a road win in the series, which is just unbelievable. And I didn't realize this. I think Kerr's coached 21 playoff series in his career. He's 19 and two in the two series uh, that he lost came in the finals. One of them was the three one. The other one was 19 when Durant and uh, and Clay got hurt, which is incredible. That being said, I do think Memphis has some advantages here in terms of athleticism, Uh, golden state for all of their prowess on offense. They can get pretty careless with the ball. They are a a high turnover team. Uh, I do think Memphis gets this game. Uh, would I be shocked if the Warriors win this game and sweep them? I wouldn't, but uh, I do like, do like Memphis here getting, uh, you know, one and a half. I think there's some twos out there. Uh, I, I think we got one, one here. Otherwise this is looking at
3: a sweep real quick. What do you like in baseball today?
6: Uh, I played the angels. I just think that lineup in that tiny little ballpark in Fenway going against Walker, oh, the Red Sox have played terrible. They haven't hit. The one thing you expect Boston to do is hit. Uh, so I did play the angels angels off to a, a nice start and they got Cinder going. Yeah, this run environment suiting you well with your betting. Are you enjoying this? Yeah, I've done OK. I mean, uh, you know, I'm playing more props than usual. Pitcher props, over strikeout props, that kind of thing. Team totals. It's definitely different. I mean, it just is a fan. Forget it as a better as a fan. It's kind of boring. I mean, nobody can hit. So we saw, you know, Royals Cardinals yesterday. Goldschmidt's a home run in the first inning. Nobody scores the rest of the game. I mean, these games are, are pretty boring. I don't know that they're doing a, a whole lot
3: to keep fans, attract new fans. I, I don't know how great it is. Yeah, it's, you know, I, my only bet last night was the, yes, a run will be scored in the Diamondbacks game yesterday. I had that one too. With the Marlins, plus 155. It's like, at some point, you just shut your brain yeah. off. You're like, plus 155. All right, I'll do it. Uh, you got it quick too. Yeah, got it quick. Will, appreciate it very much. We'll all talk right, to you up. on Thursday. See you guys. From the New York City cast, Will Hill. Eric Giger from Pro Football Focus next.
5: A numbers game with Gil Alexander
3: on v the sports betting network. It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM with all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account. And start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada, whatever your sport, whatever your betting style. You're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem Call 1-800-522-4700. It's Gil Alexander. Jeff Parlay is here as well. Real quick, just to back up what I was saying at the end of that segment, the only bet I ended up having in baseball was was the D-backs, Marlins, yes, a first-inning run will be scored. That was the game, Zach Gallen going up against Pablo Lopez, two really low ERAs. These games, like, you know, the fact that the totals are 6.5, we have another 6.5 in the Dodgers-Giants tonight. 6.5 used to be what a playoff game between two aces would be. Roy Oswalt and Tim Lincecum, for instance, in a Phillies-Giants NLDS, let's say, uh, back a decade ago. That's what a six-and-a-half would be. Now we see them every night. And when a D-backs-Marlins game, and I don't care if it is between Gallin and Lopez and their sub-1 ERAs, it is early May. And when a no-score, no excuse me, when a yes-score gets to plus 155, I don't care if it's... Uh, Sandy Koufax versus, uh, I don't know, give me somebody, Bob Gibson. There you go. Thank you. Uh, it should never be a plus 155. And so that my baseball betting has has become a brain-dead activity. And it used to be the most cerebral of all sports handicapping but, handicapping, but that's what it's reduced to here in the early going in the MLB season. We'll see if that changes or not. Uh, luckily, that one worked out, or half, happily, that one worked out. And then tennis, uh, someone was asking about Tennis. Um, not a lot of plays here in Madrid. These lines have been pretty tight. The only match that we're on started before the uh, the show started. I know Will Will Hill asked me about it as well, so that's why I'm, I, I remember it. Sarah Cerebus Tormo uh, is up a set, I think down a break in the uh, in the second set, but that's that was the only one. Everything else very tight lines, not a lot playable. And again, with the time difference, uh, we will try to get them out when we can but there wasn't one that hasn't started yet this morning. So just to uh, clarify that, let's talk some NFL draft and some NFL betting moving forward with Dr. Eric Eager from pro football focus. How you doing, Eric second time. And uh, what is that? 12 hours, something like that. No, less 15 hours. Let's call it. How you doing, man?
5: Good, man. I think the the last, the first thing baseball needs right now is less scoring, less excitement, <laughs> less things that uh, people want to engage with. So uh, good on them. Yeah. Uh, way, to, way to really gauge the, uh, the, the room.
3: It's like they got in a room and they're like, how can we make this worse? I know. We'll deaden the ball. Uh, seriously, we had like exit velocities I last, last week off bats of like 105, 104. Morning track. None of them get out. It's, it's, it's fascinating to watch. Uh, they wanted more singles and doubles and triples, huh? Not so much anymore. Um, okay. Let me, let me ask a couple things that we did touch on last night, and then we'll get to some things we didn't. One was, okay, consensus. I don't remember a draft Eric were. I don't know anybody who didn't answer the question of who won this draft, right? We the old winners and losers thing, which let's be honest, none of us really know in the end uh, until these things play out over time. But the Jets certainly comported themselves extremely well. Sauce, uh, Garrett Wilson, obviously Jermaine Johnson, and Brees Hall, one, two, three, four, right out of the chute. That was phenomenal. Who, though, were you like, I don't know if this team gets it?
5: Uh, it's hard to say New England, obviously, because, you know, they have the history and and you sort of wonder, you know, after Tom Brady leaves and he wins the Super Bowl at a new team, like how much uh, of the process with the Patriots was really, you, you know, uh, him or Belichick. Belichick's a fantastic coach. Uh, I think they play the draft well, like they do trades and things like that. But even... Even this year, they traded up with Kansas City. They became the first team uh, in the Brett Veach era to do a trade up with the Chiefs. Uh, they go get Tyquan Thornton, where where you know who's you Know a fine prospect, but not nowhere close to the draft pick that they used. Uh, and the Chiefs go and get Sky Moore, who was you know a, a first round pick on a lot of people's boards. So, even what in the thing that they're normally good at, which is trades, I think of the Kenneth Murray trade a couple of years ago with St- uh, Los Angeles, um, they struggled there. But you know, taking players who are you know 150 you know picks different than the consensus board just really shows, I mean, that, that they're not. You know, we always think of Bill Belichick making good, sound, repeated bets, right? And that, you know, as sports betters, we say, you know, if you if if you know the market's giving you three, and you know, or or the the numbers painted three at a sharp book. And somebody, you know, it was square books giving you two and a half. If you lay that two and a half repeatedly, you're going to be a winner. And and usually that's like kind of where Belichick is. But unfortunately, I feel like the last few drafts, he's thought he's smarter than the market. And, and you know, we'll see how it ends up working out. But they haven't really drafted well in the last like decade. Uh, and a lot of this is sort of the whole, well, hey, trust Belichick. He's smarter than all of you guys.
3: Yeah, right. I mean, it is a point where it's like, OK, you're getting – you're getting a guy in the first round who everybody has projected way later than that. At some point, you're just like, well, okay, even if you think he's better, this is just not how you play this game sort of thing. You mentioned Sky Moore to the Chiefs. I saw they, they picked up Justin Ross, who was undrafted in the end, which is a no-risk, really interesting move, I thought, uh, by the Chiefs as well. And then you had an interesting answer last night to the question of, okay, if the Jets won and the Patriots were kind of suspect, you never want to say the, Jets, uh, the, the Patriots lost because it's Belichick and he knows more than all of us combined, but, you know, it's a little odd the team that is a contender that made a move or moves that you think actually moves the needle a little bit. you had a fascinating and very superlative answer to this.
5: Yeah. I mean, I think George Karloftis changes the, what the chiefs can do, right? I mean, right now, I think rightfully so the bills are at 13 to two to win the super bowl. They're the favorite Tampa at seven to one. I have no disagreements with that. I think Buffalo, uh, with their team building and, you know, everything they've done over the uh, Brandon Bean era is admirable. And now after two heartbreaking losses, to the Chiefs in the playoffs, they've shoved some chips into the middle with Von Miller. Um, you know, Stefan Diggs got an extension. You know, they, they have some young stars coming up uh, in this draft. They go get Kahir Elam, which I think we uh, sharpens their only weak spot, which is corner with Tredavious White being hurt. All that's true. Kansas City's at 10 to 1. This is the first time in the Patrick Mahomes era. I can remember that they haven't been a a preseason favorite to win the Super Bowl. And at plus 155, 160, it's the first time in in a few years that they're not favored against the field to win their own division. And I think a lot of that makes sense. You look over time, that roster's atrophied. It's atrophied. It's atrophied. And I don't think... You know, you can get any clearer than that than when you look at the AFC championship game against the Bengals, where Frank Clark, a man who they traded two high draft picks for a hundred million dollar deal, got one pressure against the Bengals and against a a team that the previous week gave up nine sacks on Joe Burrow to the Titans. The, The Chiefs need a player who can get put heat on the quarterback from the edge. Uh, and you know, Karloftis was the third best edge by our board. Uh, you know, I think everybody basically had him anywhere from edge three to edge six or seven. Um, they getting him at thirty, uh, I think, you know, wraps up, uh, you know, that was the only position that if you rolled the ball out tomorrow, they would not be able to to win with. And I think he helps them win.
3: It's interesting because of all the, you know when season when season wins came out. Um, not that they're completely widespread. Well, they came out of DraftKings. Kansas City's at 11. And, you know, you always hesitate to do the whole oh, look at their schedule, win-loss, win-loss, win-loss thing. But, you know, for giggles, I did that. And with the Chiefs, all right, most you know difficult division in football, maybe not just now, maybe ever. So it's home Broncos, Raiders, Chargers, obviously. Home Jaguars, okay. But then it's home Titans, Bills, Rams, Seahawks. Seahawks, okay. Away Broncos, Raiders, Chargers, and away Texans. Okay, but then away Bengals, Colts, Niners, Cardinals, Buccaneers, and so even with the moves we just made, and the draft doesn't you know like move you know futures markets like free agency does. Doesn't eleven sound like a lot for this football team?
5: Yeah, (laughs) and and I know on DraftKings it's it's ten and a half now it is yeah to the over. Andy Reed last year with 12 wins uh, depends upon where you got the number, but let's assume you took some number where it closed at 12 and a half. That was the first time in his chiefs era that they went under the season win total. Um, and so, you know, he's, he's, you know, I can't remember how many years, six, six and one, seven and one, eight, eight and one, maybe uh, to the over in his career. I think 10 and a half is interesting. Um, I, I would, if I were betting the chiefs, i would bet them more on things that had plus price opportunities um, the division is sort of a lower version of that but you know you get 11 to 2 for them to win the AFC you get 10 to 1 for them to win the Super Bowl those are the kind of bets I like on the Chiefs because I think it's going to be very similar to last year where you know they start out kind of slow they have to acclimate things I mean they're going to be starting rookies at various levels of the offense and defense um, and, and so but at the same time if they get and there's seven playoff seeds in the AFC now right they get into the playoffs I can't think of a better and Patrick Holmes has never played a road playoff game. I can't think of a better guy that I'd want f- coming from a five seed, trying to win a super bowl. Right. So My my betting on the Chiefs is going to be more of that like fat-tailed part of the distribution where you know if they get in, let's say they get in at ten and seven, they go under their season win total. Let's say you know they win a tough division or they have to come in through a wild card. Patrick Mahomes is the kind of quarterback I want uh, if I'm going to be betting a long shot, uh, you know, to win the Super Bowl come January. And so those are the kind of bets I want to make. I'm not really touching their win total for all the reasons you said. Their their schedule we've computed is about a point harder per game than, than than the average schedule, which is the hardest in football. So uh, yeah. I, I'm with you there on the yeah. win total, but uh, long term, I like them a lot.
3: I think that's great advice. We'll come back, Eric. I want to ask you about offensive and defensive rookie of the year. And is the wrong team favorite?
5: Gil Alexander on Vset, the Sports Betting Network.
3: A special numbers game investigation reveals that the Kentucky Derby is Saturday and right now Vset is offering you a special $9.99 Kentucky Derby Betting Guide with previews of, uh, previews rather of all the horses and jockeys for every race plus best bets for the entire weekend including the Run for the Roses. I'm not sure if we're interviewing any of the horses for this betting guide. Not, not certain on that. We'll check. Pre-order your copy now for only $9.99. VEASAN.com slash Derby Guide. That's VEASAN.com slash Derby Guide. Skill Alexander more with Eric Eager. Dr. Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Eric. I just wanted to sort of get you in here because uh, I'm curious, first of all, how many bets you've already made for the upcoming season. But, there, but there's certain things that are leaping off the page for me. One is the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers, like if you look at all of their, their numbers right now. So for the division, the NFC North, they are minus 175 favorites. By the way, the Vikings are plus 275. Bears roughly eight to one. Lions 12 to 1. Okay, they're that. And then obviously it follows suit for conference. They're similarly priced in terms of their their, their rank among teams. And then for the for the you know, for the Super Bowl, they're 10 to 1. So basically it's Bills plus 650, Bucks 7 to 1. And then it's the Chiefs and the Packers of the world at 10 to 1. Are the Packers, in your opinion, being woefully overpriced given the departure of Devontae Adams?
5: I think Devontae Adams matters a lot. And, but I think it's been priced into the, you know, it's priced into the number, I think. You know, the, the, the hard part is, and, and, you know, as somebody who's bet this division an awful lot, um I have, yeah, like I have a, a limit size bet on Green Bay minus one sixty. That was before the Rodgers news. It got out to minus two twenty-five and then back with because of Devonte Adams, um, and minus one hundred eighty-five now, it appears, um, after this draft. Um, a couple things. Like I you know, the Chicago Bears are not gonna be a threat uh to this team uh in this division. Like I think they're at least a year away. They're kind of where Detroit was last year. Um Detroit, you know, has done some really good things. Um and, you know, should be considered a threat here. Um, Dan Campbell has a team working hard. Brad Holmes is a very bright general manager, I think. And, you know, that offense, you go down the list and there's a lot of good pedigree players on that offense. Minnesota is another one where a lot of head-scratching moves over the weekend, good trade-ups, but, you know, taking players that don't really fit, in my opinion, into that team. Um, And I think they're almost always overvalued this time of year uh, on the markets because I think Kirk Cousins is one of those players. Look, in the Kirk Cousins era, the Vikings have never been more than six or than seven point underdogs in a regular season game. Right. So they're always a team that keeps games close. The problem is, is, you know, is nine and eight really a record that's going to win that division? So I think the Packers are going to win their division again. Um, and then from there, you think about, okay, well, who's in the NFC? That's actually, you know, uh, reliably good. You have, you know, the Los Angeles Rams, you have the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you have maybe the Dallas Cowboys who are a coin flip to win their own division. Um, and so once you get in that playoffs, it's like we talked about with the chiefs. It's like, despite the last decade of play for Aaron Rodgers in January, I'd still like to have him as a quarterback in a, what it, what it is going to amount to a three-team race.
3: Yeah, I mean I'd still love to have him as a quarterback, don't get me wrong. It's just the it's the whole thing of he's always had a great receiver. Maybe not as elite as Devontae, but he's always had great receivers. We don't know, Christian Watson may turn out to be that from North Dakota State who the Packers traded up to grab in the second round. But I do wonder, I mean, you make a great point about the Vikings. There are so many people listening right now who, are, who have Vikings PTSD uh, from bets that they've made on the Vikings to win this division. So I get it in that respect, right? Maybe there's no one to fill that vacuum. Maybe this is the year of the Vikings. Who knows? But I, I just wonder. Something about those numbers seem a little too bullish to me on the Packers. I could be very wrong. I could be very wrong. The, the Cleveland Browns are the short shot to win the AFC North as it's currently uh, listed right now and this is you know this is sort of a cross-sport thing Trevor Bauer just got two years suspension from Major League Baseball and we were wondering last night on primetime action as responsibly or irresponsibly as wondering this is does the NFL get influenced by that does the NFL get sort of you know see that happen and say huh well, we were going to suspend Deshaun for six games. Maybe now we ought to do it for more. And I just wonder, should the Browns, in a division with the Ravens and the Bengals, be the short shot?
5: Yeah, and I think actually, for me, it's the Trevor Bauer stuff maybe gets that suspension up to a full six games. I actually think that there's Mm. a... Prior to that, it was a good chance that his suspension was going to be relatively weak, really? given that wow. you know their, their their allegations, you know, weren't you know they're not actually going to. They're probably going to settle. Right. And so um, there there's and, and there's a decent amount of like, you know, uh, you know, the league, the league doesn't give out harsh suspensions to, to players, uh, generally speaking. So if we get a full six games from Cleveland, I, from Deshaun Watson, I think that that's probably the expectation now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is interesting. Right. You're getting the Bengals at two to one who just made the Super Bowl and who you know, I was doing the the. the draft show with Chris Collinsworth and I said look like your Bengals have don't have a hole on the team for the first time since you played you know in the 80s and you know that that's a good complete team I think people are kind of sharp though in terms of like what it's going to be like for them to repeat but the Ravens at plus 225 like this is a team that when you look at their final six losses you know all of them were by three points or less except for one to the Bengals when they were starting Josh Johnson Um, so, you know, the Ravens are another team where I think we're all sleeping on them a little bit. And when you look at Cleveland, you're talking about a quarterback that yes, was great in 2020, but he hasn't played in a year. And it's also an offense. That's not one like Deshaun Watson's ever played before. It's much more of a under center play action pass, um, you know, sort of offense. And, you know, we talk about how, You know, uh, Aaron Rodgers always had a great receiver. Well, you know, he's always either had Will Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Brandon Cooks, players like that, Uh, you know, Cleveland's wide receivers, I guess you have Amari Cooper, um, but you're going to have to, you're going to have to, you know, funnel targets through him, a guy that Dallas traded for a fifth round pick. I, I, I would not, you know, take Cleveland at any of the current prices.
3: Yeah. Since we're in the AFC North, let me just ask this too, as an aside, after the draft, given where Malik Willis and the rest of the quarterbacks uh, were drafted. Desmond Ritter actually before Malik Willis, obviously Sam Howell to Washington and Matt Corral to Carolina. If we gave the Steelers Truth Serum right now, would they would they be like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have drafted Pickett twentieth? I think so. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I I, I, yeah.
5: I think I think they're going to want to have that one back.
3: Okay, well said. Uh, and then one more division here, the NFC East. We talk about obviously the Jets did great. They did. Uh, but the Jets are still 150 to one to win the title. Let's just put them in context. The Philadelphia Eagles are one of these teams that maybe you know. It's like, okay, who's the team that nobody's thinking about? Is it the Eagles in the NFC? Is it the Raiders in the AFC? Where you're like, okay, we're not. They're not division favorites yet. You could easily see in certain scenarios them either winning divisions outright or making noise, perhaps in a postseason. Should the Cowboys? I'll ask it two ways. One, should the Eagles be three to one and the Cowboys minus 120 in the NFC East? In other words, should they be that distant or should the Eagles just be the short shots themselves at this point?
5: I think the Cowboys are rightfully favored, but I also think that putting them at basically a coin flip to win the division is right as well. Like I think the Cowboys are one of those teams we've seen in the Mike McCarthy era, both sides of that coin. We've seen everything completely melt down one year and then struggle to even sort of like get to 500. And we've seen that everything, most things go right for them and then walk away with the division pretty handily. Um, I think that that's kind of always going to be the outcome space for them. Dak Prescott's not a brilliant quarterback quarterback is a really really good quarterback Uh, and Mike McCarthy is limited as a head coach Philadelphia is I think a popular side here I think they're popular though unfortunately the same way Washington was last year um, and when you saw that close at pinnacle at like plus 150 for Washington, I, I, I would would sell the Eagles right now, even though I really mm. like the way that they're moving um, to me, the bet to make in this division at what is I enemy mean, 13 to two is the Giants. Like, I think, wow. you know, four or is seven to one in, in on the graphic. Like, I think. You know i think we're gonna we're gonna come face to face with how incompetent uh garrett was at offensive coordinator and judge was at head coach you get some competence in there that roster does not not have talent uh and they have daniel jones at quarterback who i think is graded better than the outcomes have been because uh, of just such an utter lack of support there um they get thibodeau they get neil uh, to go to andrew thomas up front that that's they're going to be solid up front with the, with the offensive, defensive lines, Dexter Lawrence, uh, Leonard Williams. like This this team, Like if you want a long shot to win a division, I think it's the Giants.
3: Yeah, because, and because that division turns over every every year, too. That makes some sense. So maybe you just answered my final question, which is because I didn't want to put the Eagles or Raiders in your mouth, but it was going to be who's the team nobody's thinking of heading into next year that you actually think should, can make some noise. Maybe it's the Giants and the NFC. Is, was there another team?
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, the Jets have gone from twenty-five to one to eighteen to one. I think people are buying in there. But the one that hasn't moved that I actually think has a chance. We just talked about the Packers here. If, if you're going to bet a long shot in the NFC North, make it Detroit, twelve to
3: one. Wow, Detroit, huh? Detroit, Minnesota I, was that trade? You you agree was more favorable for the for the Lions? We talked about that a little last night, but but not maybe think, as egregiously as others.
5: Yeah, re- relative to the Jimmy Johnson chart, but also I just think like the. The the long-tail distribution for Detroit is really good. All those players hit, they're going to be active with the
3: Okay. Interesting. Some some teams I didn't think would come up. Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. Uh, we appreciate it as always, man. Always great to talk football. We'll talk many times before the season. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on, Gil. Take care. Dr. Eric Eager at Pro Football Focus or at PFF underscore Eric. Pro Football Focus. Coming back, Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year and NBA and NHL next.
5: numbers game. Kill Gil Alexander on Vsin, the sports betting network.
3: Discover BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Sign up today and win $200 if you place a $10 wager on any NBA playoff game and either team hits a three-pointer regardless of your bet's outcome. Simply use bonus code vsin 200 when you place your first bet to take advantage of this offer. Enjoy the playoffs more than ever with BetMGM. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer all promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire 7 Days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, or a gambling problem, that is, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. It's Gil Alexander. Jeff Parlay is here as well. Jeff, nice job on the hockey yesterday. You uh, you correctly stuck to your guns on both the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and the Carolina Hurricanes, or as uh, some call it, the Hurricanes, and you did go with the St. Louis Blues. So, Andy went one and two. You went three and zero. Did you not?
1: Yeah, I lost one in game bet on the Edmonton uh, Kings game. But other than that, preflop we uh, we we got home on on the other three. And I I, we'll see we'll see. I mean, Carolina pretty uh, other than the first period where Boston really outplayed them in the first fifteen minutes or so. Carolina looked much better to me. And I mean, Toronto was dominant, but we know how that's gone in the past. Well, this is, this is also
3: the thing is like when we talk about the NBA playoffs, which we did with Will Hill earlier, like, okay, well, you know, must win situation because if this doesn't happen tonight, you know, this is how this series is going to go, generally speaking, or this one's going to be long. You can tell what, how, you know, the tenor of an NBA series. But it's the old, it gives us a chance to bring up the old stats by Lopez stat, right? 80% of favorites get through in the NBA postseason in best of seven series. 80%. That's because the first round is so top-heavy. We just saw it in this first round. And this was supposed to be one of the more competitive first rounds ever, right? Hockey, in order for that to happen, in order for 80% of the favorites to manifest, for that to actually take place, to, to eliminate the randomness of hockey, you would have to play best of 51s. So, like, talking about these series in series from game to game is such a fool's errand because one game means nothing next to the second one or the third beyond. And we've seen that throughout our hockey live. So, you know, Tampa Bay couldn't, first of all, let me just say this, Toronto couldn't have started out their postseason better. For a team that hasn't won a series since 2004, for a team that hasn't won a cup since 1967 famously, Austin Matthews and crew started out great yesterday, crushed the uh, – the defending two-time champion Tampa Bay Lightning, but does that mean anything moving forward? I don't know that it does. It gives them the the ever abstract confidence, sure, but it's hockey. You know, we'll see. With,
1: the thing with the, the with the Maple Leafs is Gil. The series doesn't seem clinched until they actually win the fourth game. Of course, <laughs> so, so they could be up. Th- they could be up three nothing, up three zero, and it could still feel like oh, they're going to find a way to blow the series.
3: You have any plays tonight, Mister Three and Zero?
1: No, no, no. I, I can't That's press my. That's it. You're luck because, No, the the only thing I would kind of look at is the Rangers, but the price kind of got away because of the uh, the Jari injury, uh, the broken foot. And now the Smith is in there. Uh, I, I can't pronounce Igor's last name, but. I- Igor has been when he's been in net. The Rangers have been as good as anyone. Uh, when uh, their backup goalie's been in net, they've been mediocre. So as long as Igor is not hurt, the Rangers are the better team in that. And the other three are just pretty significant mismatches. It's just a matter of it's just a matter of will the Panthers' goaltending blow up or not. The other two series, I would be surprised if Nashville and Dallas combined for three wins between the two of them in this round. Shesterkin. That's who I'm referring okay. to. Okay, I was yeah. just
3: wondering. Uh, no play on the caps. You're not. You're not going nah, over with not, that. No, not not bothering. Oh, how dare you! All right, NBA tonight. The proverbial must-win situations for two teams that have already relinquished home court advantage. Uh, referring to, of course, the Celtics against the Bucs. Celtics four and a half point favorites tonight, and then the Grizzlies one and a half point dogs against the uh, the visiting Warriors. Any play pre-flop on either of these basketball games tonight? I am steering clear. It's
1: definitely staying off the later one. Staying off the later one? Staying off the later one. If, because the, of, if the Grizzlies are going to win, that's the it's one. It's got to be tonight. Because yeah. if they don't win tonight, they're getting swept. Swept. And and even if they win tonight, I think it's five. Five or six. I mean, Memphis could win the, second, the, the third home game in the series, but they're not winning on the road. That was just such a horrible missed opportunity in game one. Uh, blowing I could, a I
3: could be convinced of a Warriors bet tonight. Could be. I, I'm not touching the first game pre-flop, but I could be convinced of a Warriors play.
1: first game. I, I I would only bet the Bucks. I would only bet the Bucks because the one thing that happened because everyone it, it just everyone has been ma- making it. That, oh, Milwaukee played played a really good game and all that. I, Milwaukee Milwaukee was completely inefficient offensively. It, they won that game because their defense was awesome. Yep. Boston's defense actually. Milwaukee was held to mo- less points per 100 possessions. In Game One, then the Nets were in all four games against Boston, so it, it wasn't like Milwaukee played well offensively. Giannis was, even though was, he ended up stat-stuffing the, the the box score, was pretty inefficient all things considered. So I, I, it's a pretty alarming result for Boston in Game One. I would only bet the Bucks, but. It's a tough one. It's tough betting any of these NBA games pre-flop when you know you're going to have multiple opportunities in-game. Of course. To get
3: great great numbers and, either direction. And the Phoenix game last night is a great example, right? It's like, oh, what do you know? It's going to come down to Plinko anyway. And it shouldn't have, but it did. Um, we had tweets. Tom uh, at beating the book. Tom F. T for three. Uh, while on the subject of NFL futures, which we were on the subject of with Eric Eager moments ago, wouldn't this year be the best year for a longest shot on Offensive Rookie of the Year? Doesn't seem a quarterback... Award this time around. James Cook catching uh, out of Buffalo backfield seems juicy. Well, Tom, it's funny you bring that up. Let's take a look at this because, you know, if you still have draft fever and you're like, how do I get my draft fixed? Well, you can bet on offensive and defensive rookie of the year DraftKings. So let's look at offensive rookie of the year. Drake London is the short shot. Huh. Plus 550, the number eight pick in the draft, the first wideout selected by the Atlanta Falcons. Drake London is plus 550. I'm going to only assume because he's wide receiver one. is the only thing to really get out of that. Now, Kenny Pickett is six to one. And that makes sense because he's the quarterback of the rookie class that has the best shot at starting. So I get that. If Kenny Pickett, like if you knew Kenny Pickett was going to start game one, he ought to be the short shot for rookie of the year because he's a quarterback. That's just how that goes down. Traylon Burks of the Titans, who the Titans basically drafted as a replacement right after the AJ Brown trade to the Eagles, Traylon Burks, who I guess is is Traylon Burks, wide receiver one in Tennessee. I guess that's he possible. is at, at seven to one. And then it's Jets, Jets, Brees Hall seven to one, Garrett Wilson plus eight fifty. Ah, oh, it's gotta make you happy, Jeff. And then the most curious, not the most curious, but just the, the most amusing pick of the draft for those who love to hear Pete Carroll drone on about establishing the run. Kenneth Walker at 9-1 to for the Seahawks. And Christian Watson, who the Packers traded up to get in the second round, plus 950. He's probably wide receiver one, maybe in Green Bay, maybe. I mean, Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins. Christian Watts, it could be Christian Watson. Sky Moore, who Eric Eager talked about at 10 to 1. So is Chris Olave for the Saints. Jameson Williams, 11 to 1 with the Lions. Malik Willis, the next distant quarterback at 14 to 1. And James Cook, who T for three just brought up out of the Buffalo backfield at 15 to 1. So it's like I said before, Jeff, if you knew Pickett was the starter in Pittsburgh, either game one or game, I don't know, three or four, he's probably the play. But two, two T for threes, uh comment on Twitter, because of this quarterback class and because of the nature of it, pick it in Pittsburgh and maybe nobody else anywhere, or maybe, I don't know, maybe Desmond Ritter will get some run in Atlanta. Maybe Sam Howell will eventually get some run in Washington. Maybe Matt Corral will get some run in Carolina. I don't know about uh, Malik Willis in Tennessee. But because of the nature of this quarterback class, isn't this the year to perhaps bet on some other position?
1: I wish that the, that offensive lineman could actually win this award. Oh wow! Like, like it, it won't happen. It won't happen because all the offensive linemen are hundred to one here. That got picked early in this draft: Cross, Quanu, Neal, Linderbaum. If you want to, if you want to throw him in there, since he went in the first round. That would, I, it won't, I, you can't bet it because the linemen just don't win this award. No, of course not. But if you if you were just going, who's going to be the best offensive rookie this year, I would say it's probably going to be one of those four linemen. So from betting purposes, that doesn't help us. If you're going way down the board, if you're going down the board here, Gil, maybe you take a shot on George Pickens at 40-1 to one huh. with the Steelers. Play that angle with Pickett. Maybe Pickett doesn't play. Maybe Trubisky starts half the season and plays pretty well, and Pickens is the guy who ends up being his favorite target. I, I, I it's a tough, tough go this go around.
3: Steelers are good at second round wideouts.
1: Yeah, well, and yeah, we know that yeah. <laughs> for sure. If you're making me bet, uh, if you're making me bet the ones that were on the screen, I would go Watson in Green Bay because he very well could end up being wide receiver one there.
3: Watson in Green Bay, sight unseen. It's so difficult. It's so difficult to know at this point. I made. I mean, Jamison Williams at eleven to one. Again, our own Sean King calls him the unicorn of this draft. Maybe we're overthinking it. Maybe it's Jamison Williams at eleven to one. Interesting market, though. Again, given the uh, given the quarterback oddity. Finally, a draft where GMs weren't tempted to move up and draft quarterbacks. We'll come back, Mark Borchardt on baseball next.